What's happening, everybody? On today's show, it is another segment of talking all things SEC recruiting with our guy John Garcia, who head of uh, football recruiting for Sports Illustrator. We're going to touch on a number of things on guys who are already committed, guys who have not committed yet for the 2023 class, and who are some schools that still have some work to do on the recruiting trail. All that coming your way right now. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. I am Chris Gordy. Thanks so much for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We got plenty to discuss, so we're not even going to waste any time. Let's jump right into it and let's bring in our guy, John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated, talking all things recruiting as we do with him. And uh, John, welcome in, man. I, I want to start here. The uh, the NFL draft just wrapped up this past weekend. I know your guys been covering recruiting for a long time. Is it weird for you? Is it rewarding? What what's the feeling when you see a lot of these guys get their names called and go on to play at the next level? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. Uh, it is a little weird just because it means I'm aging pretty good here. <laughs> uh, you know, Evan Neal's a kid that you know I met as a, as a high school freshman. You know, uh, as and he was about the same size, by the way. Uh, and now, you know, what, seven, eight years later, he's he's in the NFL as, as a top 10 pick. I mean, it's that part of it is a little weird. But of course, you know, the, the, the stronger feeling is how cool it is. Uh, it is really cool to see these kids come from oftentimes nothing um, and then just start to get, you know, one scholarship offer. Then they go crazy and get a bunch, get to college and, and hit the ground running. Uh, and then obviously seeing them just get that that phone call, that reaction that we all love to watch every single year it's always cool to see that. Uh, and the draft is, is always kind of one of those moments where I sit back and just, and just kind of take it in. There's no like analysis or anything like that, that day, which is nice for me. Uh, but of course the sec was, was King for like what the 15th year in a row, something like that. So it, it's more of the same, uh, but it is very cool to see it, you know, fr- from the ground up. Yeah. And it's gotta be even weirder. Cause you, you see these kids when they're 15, 16, 17, getting ready to make their commitments and now they're millionaires like seeing a kid get that oh that little kid that had a runny nose when I saw him out at that first practice he now just got 30 million dollars that aspect just it never ceases to I guess blow my mind and see how and, and it's fun to see that kid that you knew when develop into a big superstar at the next level. Absolutely. And, and some of these guys, they just change so much physically, right? Their bodies just could totally morph into something else that you could really never project. And a lot of times they, they go way higher than we would have expected. You know, I know at my previous employer, we were pegged with trying to project where these high school kids would fall in the NFL draft, which is such a Herculean task. Um, and I was always conservative by nature. I was like, look, let me go lower here uh, because, you know, you don't really know how, how the kid's going to develop, much less adjust to college life. But uh, oftentimes you're surprised and guys that you thought were good high school players that could be serviceable starting level college players end up being, you know, first and second round draft picks. So it is it is the best surprise kind of kind of in a good way. 
we've seen the last three years, really, the, the three teams from the SEC that have dominated with talent and gone on to win the national championship, LSU in 19, Bama in 20, and now Georgia in 21, have all kind of set records for you know most guys drafted. And it makes sense, right? You're winning the national championship. You've got elite-level talent that's going off to the NFL. But uh, what did you make of Georgia with all the guys that they had drafted setting a record for most players drafted from one school? Well, that, that defense and particularly that front seven, Chris, was just so darn dominant, you know, uh, outside of that SEC title game itself, where obviously Bama had more to lose there. Uh, it was just it was kind of a how good is this defense kind of thing? It almost didn't matter when you got into the offensive conversation with Stetson Bennett and all that drama because the defense was just so darn good. So it wasn't a huge surprise to see those guys going at the places that they were picked. Uh, but I was among the many that were curious about N'Kobe Dean because even going back to high school, this is like one of the smartest kids I ever talked to. He was talking to me about engineering and his GPA, like the first time I ever talked to him, even though he was picking between like Georgia, Alabama, you know, <laughs> Ole Miss, and LSU. Uh, so, you know, I was surprised that he fell, but obviously the reports came out that there was a bit of a medical question, and I think he'll be quite the steal, captain the defense in the NFL kind of thing for for quite some time. But no surprise to see those guys going early. Uh, maybe Walker at number one was was a bit of a surprise, just relative to the perception around his true impact on that UGA roster. But on the other side, it was just kind of a microcosm of just how loaded that front seven was. Were you surprised Stingley? I mean, I know, you know, when we saw him coming out of high school, it was like, okay, this is one of the best defensive backs to come out of high school. But, like, he went, he has such an impact on the 19 team for LSU as a freshman and then, you know, injuries and all that. Were you surprised he still went, you know, third overall? I was. I, I wouldn't have pegged him as the first corner off the board. I thought Gardner was a little bit more technically sound and obviously – more recently dominant. I actually thought Kyrie Elam was, was more technical than Derek Stingley. They, they all, of course, all went in the first round anyway, but it's just the, the traits. And it's the same conversation with Walker, right? The athletic traits, the gifts that Derek Stingley, you know, showed in 19, uh, coupled with finally getting healthy and, and, and dominating that pro day at LSU, popping that 4-3, I think that was it. I think people were like, hey, you know, let's let's focus on the bigger picture as opposed to, you know, the most recent one. And and his ball skills and, and just that bloodline, that NFL bloodline all came together. And and then he, you know, he went in the top three. So good, good for him. Happy for him. Uh, but I, I was surprised to a degree. This was a really strong corner class. And I thought the guys with honestly just more reps under their belt would, would be a little bit safer by these teams. But, uh, you know, that's the NFL. Traits still matter in a large way. I think that's what this draft taught us. Last thing uh, on the draft, and then we'll get to actual recruiting in 2023. Did you have a guy, uh, I guess a favorite of yours, of guy that you either interviewed or covered through on the recruiting trail that, that heard his name called this past weekend? Oh, gosh, yeah, a, a ton, a ton. Uh, I think the one who maybe I'm, I'm most surprised to see, you know, the timing of his ascent was probably Brian Robinson. You know, he came into that class in 2017 at Alabama. I was covering the Tide pretty much every day. Uh, back then and you know he came in after Najee Harris and and he was from that point saying like hey I know Najee's everybody's favorite but you know I'm gonna make an impact too and, and you love to hear kids say that but to be honest I don't know how much I believed in him at that point you know he was a local kid kind of a, a one-dimensional big downhill back I just didn't know in the modern game how he would transition to college uh, and he certainly waited his turn and and made the most of it. And now, you know, he's, he, he was a, a mid round pick. I mean, just a great story of, of perseverance and, and another reminder that yeah, uh, traits and, and, you know, big plays and space are all 
really important, but you know, that self-confidence and, and that old school style still resonates in, in this physical game of football. So absolutely happy for Brian who stuck with it, you know, never hit the portal, never complained, kind of did it the right way, which is, you know, in this day and age is, is a true rarity. Yeah. And Bama and Georgia both shown you, you sit there and wait your turn. Not necessarily a bad thing. You're going to get your chance to shine eventually. And that's what he did. All right. More with John Garcia in just a second. And we're going to start with the most controversial, controversial four letter word out there. Arch. We're going to do that in just a second with John Garcia. But first, let me remind you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the best part of making your summer adventure more fun. They are delicious. They are healthy. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com right now, and you can order. They got all the Built Bars, the Puffs. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. And, of course, we tell you all the time, many Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs, 17 grams of protein packed in there. So if you're on a long road trip, man, you got to have that protein to keep yourself going. Built Bars are the way to go. Go to Built.com right now. Get all your favorite flavors. They got banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, so much to choose from, many more. They're all delicious. Go to Built.com right now. Use our promo code LOCKED15. LOCKED15 going to get you 15% off your order over at Built.com. Go check them out today. Continue our recruiting conversation with our buddy John Garcia at John Garcia underscore junior on Twitter from Sports Illustrated. And John, let's talk about it. Arch Manning. Obviously, the recruitment goes on. I keep seeing graphics from folks in Virginia going, hey, maybe we're going to get him. I know uh, Archie, uh, the grandfather, was down in Birmingham this week and, and talking with the media and you know, he even said, he's like, look, Arch Arch is the best, but, you know, him being number one, the number one recruit, I don't even know if he pays attention to all that. doesn't even matter. But what do you make of where we are with Arch Manning right now? I think that's – it's a question we get so often, and, and the answer is a little bit different every single week. You know, Arch is one of these prospects that is handling things in such a unique way. And even his grandfather is really not giving anything away, right? Like no timeline, no list of contenders, no schools really even brought up with Archie, and that's really been the theme with Arch in this recruiting process. We, we do consistently hear of this, this top three, right? And I hear the same, Georgia, Texas, Alabama. Depending literally on the week, Chris, you will hear a different pecking order uh, within those top three. I think right now there's a little bit more buzz for Texas. We've heard Georgia buzz recently. Last week I got a call saying Alabama was the most likely spot, and Nick Saban is very <laughs> confident. So it, it really does change uh, week to week and day to day in this case. Uh, I was actually at his school a couple weeks ago uh, talking to his head coach, and, and he was like, man, we're just preparing for the circus. You know, there's so many coaches that are going to line up to get to Newman High School to get a fresh look at Arch uh, and, and get fresh intel on his recruitment because some of the coaches don't even know where they truly stand at this point. Uh, and, and the only schools that really have been eliminated to date are the ones that have taken a quarterback in, in the class of, of 2023. So that's about half of the power five. So 30 plus schools feel like, hey, maybe we have a shot at, at Arch Manning. We're hearing more about LSU. Florida has been dying to get him on campus for a visit as they search for their quarterback. You know, Ole Miss is not ruling out taking a second quarterback in this class. So obviously they would love to, to continue that Arch or that Manning legacy, I should say, down in Oxford. Uh, so this thing is, is really kind of wide open. There's no timeline for a decision. 
Uh, we, we don't expect it in the early spring months. Maybe in the summer is probably that that's probably the earliest window where we expect something to, to potentially happen. But there's a lot of conversation from different sources around Arch and the Newman program that say, hey, he might take this thing into the fall because a lot of people are curious about Texas's position in this race. They are the most all in on Arch, both Bama, Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU, all these others have offered other quarterbacks, have hosted other quarterbacks. Texas is steadfast with Arch. They are they are the most all in with him, but they are the program, at least among the top three, with the most question marks relative to stability, relative to long-term or sustained success, uh, especially with Georgia and Bama being, you know, the last two national champions. So it is quite intriguing. I do think the longer it goes, the better for Texas. Uh, the, the sooner it concludes, it's probably more of, of a Kirby Smart versus his old boss kind of situation. Yeah, and uh, you know, on a weekend where no Texas Longhorns get drafted at all, they're trying to turn that tide and say, Arch, come here. We know you'll get drafted by the NFL, so uh, he could kind of buck that trend. Uh, speaking of the Vols, uh, I mean, they've got Nico Yamalieva in there. Does it seem like they're kind of – I mean, Arch Manning's kind of out with the Vols? Yeah, yeah, they're all in with, with Nico, and he's not taking any more visits as far as, as we can tell. As he's helping build that 2023 class at Tennessee, which has picked up some momentum here really since he made that verbal commitment earlier this spring. Uh, and, and I think that's really uh, a credit to Josh Heupel and company, kind of recognizing, hey, you know, th- there's a there's been a thought in this Arch Manning deal from the beginning that, hey, he's not going to go to the legacy schools. He's not going to Ole Miss. He's not going to Tennessee. He's not going where his uncles played. He's going to go somewhere else, kind of do his own thing. I think Tennessee deserves credit for recognizing that early and moving on to, you know, a kid who might be just as good or better in in Nico, who's certainly bigger with a bigger arm than Arch Manning, Uh, not as polished, not as experienced, certainly not as famous just yet, uh, but but certainly a a Californian who is is expanding that ball footprint way outside uh, of the South. And I think that is a nice formula for success with this class of, of 23 and that's why Tennessee's you know among the SEC schools in in as good a shape as anyone let's stick with the Vols here for a second because they got a couple of names here uh through the portal that that are really going to help them immediately I saw USC receiver Brew McCoy has officially committed to Tennessee he was a five-star prospect in 2019 and then a four-star DB from Ohio State Andre uh Tarantine I guess is how you would say it but what do you make of those two guys I mean those seem like two impact guys who can come in and play right away for uh Josh Heupel well, yeah, I'll start with Turrentine just because there's such a need in, in that secondary. Uh, obviously, the Vols had a player drafted in Alani Taylor, but, you know, that that group has had a lot uh, to make up for this spring. Uh, so not a surprise to see them go to the portal for a little bit of added depth. And I think Turrentine gives you some versatility. He could play safety, probably nickel as well. Uh, and we know that's really important in the SEC with all these great tight ends and slot receivers and even running backs that are great at catching the ball out of the backfield and, and he's a Tennessee kid, right? You know, so him coming back home in a sense, I think is, is pretty cool for the Vols. Uh, another good selling point through the portal for that program. Uh, and then Brew McCoy, big physical wide receiver with a ton to prove. I mean, this was two years ago. This was, uh, you know, a top 10 kind of recruit. I mean, he was Bryce Young's main receiving target at modern day back in the day. I mean, this was a guy that we all thought, was going to hit the ground running at Texas and then USC and vice versa. He had kind of the early portal uh, drama around him. He sat out a year. Uh, so he's really waited his turn uh, to get to Tennessee now where we, we really have been hearing that 
it was a done deal since March. You know, it was just a matter of when, you know, he would be uh, admitted into the school and announced by the Vols in particular. So uh, he's been anticipating, you know, getting back on the field with this program sooner rather than later. And this receiving core all of a sudden now gets thrown in among the best in the SEC. And, and there's kind of a common theme of height with him and, and Tillman on the outside. Uh, you've got, you know, Hyatt up the middle or in the slot, I should say, with, with great speed. And then they brought in speed at the, at the wide receiver position. Squirrel White, one of my favorite slots uh, in this class of, of 2022 that is now on campus at Tennessee. So now that kind of overachieving offense we saw in 2021 has a little bit more firepower uh, on the outside with, with Hendon Hooker returning at quarterback. So I think that the Vol fan base should be pretty excited just in general, recruiting and on the field. This, this thing is trending all the way up. I want to touch on a transfer for Florida as well as a recruit that's on the radar for A&M and LSU. We'll do that when we continue our conversation here in just a second with John Garcia. But first, I want to remind you about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's NBA playoffs, MLB, which just started a couple, up a couple weeks ago. Of course, we've got the run to the roses with the Kentucky Derby this weekend. All that information you can find at betonline.net. And as always, BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, eSports. They got you covered on just about everything. Head on over to their website today or use uh, your mobile device. You can learn about all the trends and action betonline.net betonline it is where the game starts continue our conversation with john garcia from sports illustrated and john uh we were talking about the transfer portal and one of the guys i know uh juco offensive tackle just committed to the florida gators in jordan herman does it kind of seem like florida and billy napier they're kind of starting to look a little bit more at that portal as this roster comes together for the fall yeah, and, and, you know, Billy's admitted it. He's like, hey, you know, we, we're excited to be here, but there's going to be a lot of outside-the-box additions. So you think junior college, you think the portal, uh, you think maybe even delayed recruitments, gray shirts, all of these things, basically an all-hands-on-deck approach to improve the, the top-end talent and the depth of this Florida Gator roster. So no surprise to see them addressing the offensive line. I think it's going to be a totally different offense at UF in 2022, uh, and, and that's why they've made a ton of changes there. I know they brought in the, the Louisiana transfer earlier in the cycle as well, uh, which is to be expected, of course, with Napier's ties there. But, you know, this is something that he's been really public about. They've hired like 40 support staffers, and, and I think they're going to have the resources to go to go all in on recruiting uh, because Billy knows that that it, that is really the foundation of competing, you know, at, at the SEC level. But in year one, it's just so hard, right? You're learning, you're self-scouting your own players that you inherited. You're bringing in a whole another group, and then you're targeting a third group in the portal that is, is kind of never-ending, right? There's like no timeline for this thing to end with kids who made that that entrance deadline on May 1st. Uh, so this is something I think we'll continue to see uh, with the Gator program just in general, uh, looking for uh, experience and talent, uh, especially college experience on, on the front end of that. So no surprise to see them addressing that in the trenches where, where most rebuilds sort of struggle the most because it's such a, a different style and vibe in Gainesville relative to, to Dan Mullen. Let's talk about one of the guys who's on the radar for both Texas A&M and LSU. I know you got an article up today on him at SI.com. Caden Jones, big four-star offensive lineman. Uh, what's the latest on him? Yeah, he's starting to pick up a lot of steam. You know, I think last year he was this big six seven kind of still like 
living into his body as it as it grows kind of kid where it was incredibly raw and you're just waiting for him to turn the corner but having seen him a couple weeks ago I think he's turned the corner now he's six eight like a solid a more solid 315 uh, and as schools go by to see him they're offering a, a lot of scholarships and as you mentioned A&M and LSU two schools that are absolutely in the mix for him he was at the LSU spring game loved the vibes loved seeing Will Campbell out there early uh, as a freshman starter that's something that certainly piqued his attention uh had great things to say uh, about Brad Davis as well and then uh Texas A&M is is kind of the sleeper school for him you know his uncle played there uh, in the early 2000s his mother attended the school as well so even though he's a New Orleans kid a lot of ties to Texas A&M, and then he took that visit and, and got the in-person offer from Jimbo Fisher. So I do think A&M is going to stick around in, in this recruiting process uh, going forward. And Florida is kind of a sneaky school in there, too, because he did have a relationship with Billy Napier and company when they were at Louisiana, uh, which, which makes sense geographically. So he's an emerging prospect, one that we're liking the more that we see. And I think as, as he starts spring ball at, at De La Salle, more college coaches will see that and his offer list will probably grow before he takes the next step. But I do think he'll take some official visits in the summertime. And I'd be shocked if Texas A&M wasn't one of them. LSU, maybe you don't have to take the official because it's so close to New Orleans, uh, but but we'll see. I do think that it's going to be a heavy SEC battle uh, when all is said and done for him. Just a couple quick one, more ones uh, for you here, John. Uh, Malachi Singleton, four-star uh, quarterback, commits to Sam Pittman and Arkansas. Uh, what are the Razorbacks getting in him? Man, this is one of the best fits in this class of 2023. This is a big physical quarterback who is willing to take punishment and run downhill, which is what we say about K.J. Jefferson, you know, the, the current starter that they've got out in Fayetteville. But I think where Singleton's made a lot of progress uh, coming out of North Cobb High School just north of Atlanta is in in his consistency and efficiency as a passer. I've seen him multiple times this spring at, at different camps, the Elite 11, the Under Armour, All-America game camp as well. And the conditions were not great, but Malachi's ball was still consistently accurate. Uh, he really drives it well when he's got his feet set and he's got the athleticism to play off script and outside the pocket. And then you talk to the kid and he's just a super sharp kid, you know, one that you can easily see as as being that kind of galvanizing leader type of quarterback that we we probably don't talk about enough in the evaluation process because we, we get into all these traits and, and things that 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 make fan bases go crazy. But he, he has that it factor where you talk to him and you kind of believe in him even before you watch him run around and throw the football. So like the get for Sam Pittman, it's a great fit. And, and it's never a bad thing for any SEC program to get a marquee Atlanta area prospect on the commitment list. And last one for you, John. I had a, somebody wrote in and, and, and said, ask John about Tyler Harrell, the wide receiver from Louisville going to Alabama. What What's the tide getting in Tyler Harrell? Wheels, uh, just pure speed. Um, I don't. He doesn't have the length of a Jamison Williams, who you know we just saw obviously go early in the draft and, and dominate for Alabama last year. Uh, but he's a little bit more compact. Uh, averaged like twenty eight yards a catch last year at Louisville. Just an absurd uh, amount of production relative to where he was at. And coming to a school like Alabama, he won't be the number one option that everyone is focused on pre snap. Like he became at Louisville. So I do think that he'll have the opportunity to operate in space, particularly early in the 2022 season, as he builds that rapport with, with Bryce Young. But the kid's got absolute wheels. 
There are rumors of like a 4-2-40 that he popped earlier this spring at Louisville. I talked to some of his high school coaches down at, at Miami Columbus. Uh, shocker. I know he's from Miami. He's fast. Uh, <laughs> and and they, they say it's legit. They say, hey, he's he was running times like that in high school. So he was a late bloomer in the recruiting game uh, who certainly found his stride. And now he's playing for what we think will be the preseason, you know, number one team in the country. So I, I think that's going to be a different element for Alabama. Looking at the wide receiver room today, even with Jermaine Burton there coming over from Georgia, you don't see that true breakneck speed. And I think Harold brings you that uh, to truly challenge, you know, the defense both vertically and horizontally on, on every snap. Yeah. Big shoes to fill with Jamison Williams and John Mechie gone now, both off to the NFL, but Bryce Young, Heisman winner, still throwing the football, so plenty of opportunity to fill in roles They'll there. be okay. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll be all right. He is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated, SI.com. John, thanks so much for the time as always, man. Always a pleasure, Chris. Take care. All right, there you go. That's John Garcia from Sports Illustrated. Give him a follow on Twitter at John Garcia underscore JR. One of the best when it comes to talking all things college football recruiting. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week as we start to turn the page and start to look a little bit more ahead to next college football season and where some of these preseason rankings have a lot of the SEC teams. So get into all that next week. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts like Locked on Ole Miss, Locked on Razorbacks, Locked on Bama, some great ones wherever you find your podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Chris Gordy. Talk to you guys next week.